This is episode 26 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is Joel Runyon, the youngest person to ever run an ultra marathon on every single continent. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people from all across the globe about their particular journeys, um, whether they've been on it for a long time or they're just starting out, in hopes that it will motivate and inspire you all to either kick in the pants to get going on your own, or if you're currently on that path, Um, and you need some insights and knowledge to help you navigate the waters, Um, you'll be able to pick up a lot of things from these folks that have already been through, um, jumping over some of those hurdles or had some different failures and things that could help you maybe avoid or at least to think about things differently um, as you go through uh, similar uh, situations. So I hope you guys can, uh, you know, kind of take that into your own journey. And that's a transition into our episode today with Joel Runyon. Um, at Joel Runyon online, R-U-N-Y-O-N, um, as well as his websites, impossiblehq.com and impossible.org. And Joel really started out, I won't kind of steal the thunder on his story, but you know he's run an ultra marathon on every single continent. He's the youngest human to do that. Um, and he's done some neat stuff, starting some businesses and learning along the way. And it's just one of those kind of stories of perseverance where he didn't really know what he was going to do nine, ten years ago. And then really out of building that list, you know, his quote unquote impossible list, he was able to start, you know, checking things off and ultimately accomplishing some of these goals. So pretty incredible story. He's an awesome guy to talk with. A lot of depth to his answers. I think you guys are going to have a a ton of takeaways. Um, So get your notepad ready as you're listening through. But without further ado, let's jump right away into the episode today in my chat with Joel Runyon. Let's get it started. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, this is uh, great to get a chance to chat with you again. I know we connected uh, about a what, month ago or so um, when you were here visiting uh, here in Raleigh, um, kind of with our company. So it's kind of cool to get you back on here and, and talk a little more in depth. I, you know, for those that are just kind of tuning in or maybe fast forward to this point uh, to start the conversation, you know, just to kind of remember everyone, remind everyone, you know, you're the, so the youngest person in the world to run seven ultra marathons on seven different continents. Well, there's only seven continents, so all seven continents. <laughs> um, and you've raised hundreds of thousand dollars for, you know, for Pem- Pencils of Promise and kind of built, I think it's seven schools, might be eight now as we're talking um, along the way. But I, I want to start the kind of story here, you know, kind of this whole podcast about just get started. There's a specific point that you had talked about in the past I want to talk about first is around you kind of living with your parents and kind of going back to live with your parents and the epiphany that kind of happened. Can you talk about that a little bit to start off the conversation? And then we're going to kind of meander down that path um, a little bit more. Yeah. So when I started everything, I was not in a great spot. I had graduated college in 2009 in the middle of the recession and I didn't really know what I wanted to do but I was kind of following the life script that everybody tells you to do and so I graduated school did all the things you're supposed to do and then I was like okay the next thing you're supposed to do is get a job 
And I started applying for places, and uh, I wasn't hearing back from anyone. They're pushing a lot of people's start dates back for the people they ha- had already agreed to hire, and uh, any any additional hires were just not happening. And so um, I went three or six months with just not hearing back from anyone until I started changing kind of my prospects. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll apply at like retail for Target, or maybe I'll apply to Starbucks. And uh, it was to a point where I couldn't get a call back from Starbucks, and so. Uh, it was getting a little bit ridiculous, pretty discouraging, and uh, I think I got uh, I got a temporary job at UPS. Uh, it was a six-week temp thing where you jump on the the truck with all the delivery guys during Christmas time, and you help deliver packages in the middle of snow, uh, in the middle of winter in Chicago, in like snow, ice, and getting chased by dogs. And so I, uh, the economy was so bad. Instead of going out for six weeks like we were supposed to, I went out for three because uh, nobody was sending packages. And then they laid us off after Christmas, and I was basically sitting in my parents' basement and looking at my friends doing interesting things. Some were traveling the world. Some were starting businesses. Some were just starting their careers, and they just got on a job. And I was looking at all those things and then looking at myself in my parents' basement, and everything kind of seemed impossible. And so, you know, I had all these things I wanted to do, but none of them, se- none of them felt uh, like I could do them. And so I just kind of sat around for a couple months feeling bad for myself and kind of writing down all the things that I wanted to do, but uh, all of which seemed impossible. And so uh, I think, you know, eventually I just got sick of feeling sorry for myself and I went over my list another time and everything still seemed impossible. Getting a job, I couldn't do it. Um, I'd been trying for almost a year at that point and, you know, I had really no success um, traveling the world, couldn't do that because I didn't have any money. Uh, starting my own business, I didn't really have any expertise or the confidence or the you know uh, the risk uh, attitude that I needed for that, and so everything still felt impossible. But at the bottom of the list, uh, I saw one thing on it, and that was run a triathlon, and that seemed impossible too. But you know, I didn't I didn't know anything about triathlons. Um, I didn't know anybody who had ever done one. I'd never run more than a 5K, and I didn't even know what three like events consisted of a triathlon. But I realized, like, you know, there's reasons why I can't travel the world. There's reasons I can't start my business. The reasons, you know, I don't know what those reasons are, but there's reasons why I can't get a job. Um, but there's no reason why I can't go out there and train and run around the block and then go get on a bike and bike around the block. And so I decided to do an indoor triathlon. And I did an indoor tri- triathlon because I didn't want to drown in the open water swim of an outdoor triathlon because I, I had pretty low confidence at that point. And so... Um, I trained for this thing for maybe about a month, and then I went out and did it. And it it was tough, but it wasn't it wasn't nearly as difficult as I was making it out to be in my mind. And I remember t- telling myself at the end, um, you spent so much time telling yourself that this was impossible, and you just did it. If that's true, then how many other things are out there that you're telling yourself are impossible, but if you went out and you went after it and trained for it and worked at it, uh, you'd be able to do and so that kind of started this whole thing where I took this list that I had been making of things that I thought were impossible and decided to go after and try to do them. And so I went from, you know, not running more than a 5K to running triathlons up to half marath- half Ironmans, uh, kind of tricking myself into starting running, um, doing 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, marathons, got into ultra running, um, and then fundraising for charities while ultra running. And um kind of took that same principle from the athletic standpoint of my life and started applying it um, in other areas. My business, uh, it kind of, you know, my job search, my business eventually that I started 
um, you know, adventures that I wanted to start taking and um, instead of just, you know, waiting on them someday, like going after them now. Um, and then kind of just, it sort of, you know, it start the blog, it, you know, it started off as a blog and it really started as a way to do something interesting with my life. And um, eventually it kind of morphed itself into a business. But, you know, the first impetus, first and foremost, was to just do something interesting. And uh, it started with a triathlon and it's grown quite a bit since. Were were you always athletic growing up? Like, t- tell me a little about your childhood. Did you, did you do a lot of different activities or involved in different sports or not so much? So I grew up in Chicago, and I think every kid in Chicago that grew up there in the 90s is required to play basketball, uh, <laughs> watching Michael Jordan. Um, and so uh, I played a lot of basketball growing up. Uh, I did a lot of other sports, but I think, you know, getting to high school um, and even to college, I played a lot of basketball. Um and then, but I never ran. I hated running. Um, actually, in college, I joined the track and field team um, because all of my friends were on the track and field team, but I hated running. <laughs> and so I threw javelin because I wanted to be on the track and field team and hang out with my friends, but I didn't want to run. And so javelin just required you to like lift and throw spears, and I thought that sounded cool. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was playing a lot of basketball. I had a competitive edge, but I didn't, ne- you know, I never really thought like, oh, yeah, you know what I want to do? run really long distances and, and, and call it fun. So that's kind of, you know, athletically, you know, my background. You know, that, that's maybe a good point just to kind of, I'm going to veer off the road here for a second before we, cause I want to get into some of the stuff with the running um, and the businesses you're doing, but can you help? I mean, folks out there that are listening that, and I'm not expecting people to go do ultra marathons, but how did you overcome that challenge of saying, I hate running to, running a lot um, with what you're doing now like what was the I don't know if it was self-talk or, or whatever or as you said you maybe kind of slowly built up but what was it in, in your mind over maybe a few year period to say hey I hate running and now I love it or maybe love's a different or maybe you really like it or, or want to you know push forward can you talk about that little bit of, of how you overcame that yeah, well, I, I don't like running, and I, I don't I don't think I ever will like running. But the way I phrase it is, I like what running gets me. So um, I don't really enjoy much about running at all. Um, but what I do like is when I do run, um, especially long distances, it gets you to a point where you want to quit and you want to go home and you want to give up. And everything around you that's normal tells you you should give up because that's you know, the easy path. And then the thing about ultras is uh, specifically ultra endurance sports is that when you want to give up and quit at some point, everybody feels terrible. And so it's less about, um, it's less about if you want to give up and quit. And it's more about like getting yourself to that place and then having that decision in front of you. And sometimes in a race, you'll have that multiple times. And what I like is getting to that point and then, having that decision and deciding to move past it and and keep on and keep on going even when you want to give up and quit and after you've gone 50 miles and it's like totally reasonable for you to go home and not do this anymore um i like that's that's the point in the race that i go uh i run for usually and the other piece is just like it's a it's a cheap form of meditation or therapy or whatever you want to call it where um you know a lot of times I, I don't run with the phone. I don't run with music. I just get out there on my own. And uh, you sort more things out in your head through, you know, an hour and a half or two hours 
or four or six hours out there running uh, than you could if you were just um, you know trying to sort things through in your head. I, I find physical endeavors. Um, I'm really bad at meditation. A lot of people talk about how meditation, you know, is really good for them. And I'm really bad at meditation unless my body is engaged. And so um, doing sort of ultra sports has helped me kind of engage my body. And then that's sort of a, you know, maybe it's a crazy way to think about it, but it's sort of a crazy way, uh, a form of meditation for me. What's been the, I mean, I guess the hardest race, and you've done obviously besides just the on the seven continents ultra marathon, you've done a lot of other stuff. But what's been your hardest race uh, to date that, that you've had to overcome? Whether it was a certain challenge during the race, like you're saying, or I don't know, maybe there's just a lot of mountains. I have no idea. But what do you feel is the, the hardest one you've had to do? So, so I'll give you two. Um, well, you know, the seven 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 project that I did had had a bunch of ones. So Antarctica is like the cool race that it's like it's fun to tell stories on. Um, it wasn't. It was it was the longest race I've ever done, but it wasn't necessarily the toughest. Um, there was a 50k in Thailand that was just about broke me. I did about two weeks after uh, Antarctica, and I was a little bit cocky, where I was like, "Oh, I just did a 100k like two weeks ago. 50k is nothing." And that race, just mentally and the heat involved, was just incredibly difficult to deal with. But there was a race, you know, maybe two or three weeks after after Thailand, where I ran in Rovaniemi, Finland, and that race was maybe the most men challenging one where it was a 66 kilometer unsupported race um in basically the arctic rovaniemi is the unofficial home of santa claus they have a fake santa's village and everything out there and uh you, we were running it in february and so half the race is on a frozen river and we thought okay maybe it's you know just a little bit frozen but it's actually frozen solid for like several feet and uh <laughs> you're that far north in the arctic and what was crazy about it was um, it's unsupported. And 10 minutes before uh, we were basically about to leave uh, for the start line, my water bladder that I was taking everything in, uh, I was going to have all the water for, you know, the first, you know, first 50K of the race or something like that for um, that exploded and broke and emptied all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> and so uh, my backup options for water was just a water bottle and it was you know maybe 12 or 16 ounces or something like that not very much and so um i was like okay i guess i'm gonna make this work and so i i start off with that and uh i'm basically out of water after the first 10 or 20k in the race and i have it's unsupported so there's no water out on the course until the last 10k um so i have somewhere between 30 and 40k to run with minimal to zero water and um this had been my third or fourth race in like six weeks and everything just kept happening where i was getting beat up uh, i got i got lost a couple times um because the markings on this unsupported race you know it's not it's not a typical race where you know you have corrals and a marathon or anything you have general directions and you have a map in your backpack and uh you know, some things are marked, but some trails in the snow kind of look like you could go either way. And so I went a, a wrong way a couple of times. Uh, at a couple of points, I, I stepped into snow that was basically waist deep. So my leg went, you know, three and a half or whatever feet down. Um, and then at the end of it, uh, uh, halfway through, I, I ran out of water. And uh, basically, the only checkpoints they have um, are someone with a, a clipboard and a fire. And so at one of the points, somebody had a pan 
And so I threw a bunch of snow into the pan to melt it down and pour it into my water bottle because I was like, I need some sort of water. I'd been eating snow in the middle of the race. It was, it was, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and so I melted down this snow to make some cold water. It was freezing cold, and I poured it into my water bottle. And I was like, okay, this is going to last me for a little bit more. And, you know, a mile or two, you know, past that, I go to take a sip, and it, it was so cold out that my water, the water that I just melted had refrozen, and it was solid ice in my hands. And so, like, every every which way, um, you know, the last 10K or so, um, I, I could feel my my foot starting to act up, and I took my, it took my shoe off at the end of the race, and I realized, like, I uh, uh, I had to go to the hospital and get it checked out, and it was basically swollen up and it was all purple. Uh, but basically, every single part of that race was just, you know, punch after punch of like, oh, this is this is less of a race and it's more of an expedition. It's a survival experiment. And so, um, but the fun the end the fun ending there is that you know the last I think the last two miles of it, uh, you know, it was winter in Rovaniemi, Finland. Uh, we only had a few hours of light, and so. Um, when I was finishing, it was definitely nighttime and we were waiting, we had been waiting for the last few days for the Northern lights to show up and they hadn't come out, which has been weird for that time of year. But the last two miles or so, uh, I started seeing lights in the sky. I was like, what is that? That's weird. Am I getting close to town or what, you know, what's the deal? And, uh, as I got closer and closer, uh, it was the Northern lights that kind of showed up for the last like couple miles of the race. So despite all that, you know, despite all the crap and everything like that, it's a really good story. And it's really, um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes the worst experiences are some of your fondest memories. And so, uh, that was one of those things where I was like, you know, that sucked and I don't necessarily want to do it again, but I like the, uh, you know, the, the experience of like, okay, I went through that and I survived that is, uh, you know, probably one of my favorites. Well, I think that's a huge part of, you know, living in general, right? I mean, you, you, there was just in that story there, and I'm sure we could have, you know, you could have probably told that for an hour and went into detail on a lot of other stuff. There was probably a handful of moments you could have easily quit. I mean, when the water bottles broke, you'd be like, ah, screw this. I'm not going to do this race. So the fact that you had to overcome all these different challenges and the, and the good and the bad times there, um, it's just obviously that, you know, how do you continue to motivate yourself, right, to, to get through that? So that's really cool to hear. I'm glad you had that, that experience. I have to imagine that was really well, cool with the Northern Lights as well. So uh, that's pretty neat. Well, well part, part of it, you're like, you know, at some point, you're like, hey, I traveled all this way to, to get to this race. I, you know, if it was in the back, in my backyard, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll just go home. But I was like, I flew all the way to Finland for this, like, and not an easy part to get to a Finland, like a pretty remote area. It's like, I'm going to do this race one way or another, even if it's uh even if it's, uh, you know, um, even if it's with zero water, I'll figure it out. So, um, you know, sometimes putting yourself in situations where you have to, uh, have to get through it is, is one of the ways you can teach yourself that you're strong enough to do it. Yeah. And how do you train for these things? Like what's your nutrition like? What's your sleep like? I'm just curious if there's anything in particular that you, you know, stick to that's been helpful so typically I eat like a paleo ish modified diet. Um, so relatively like, you know, meat, vegetables, nuts, seeds, fruits, um, pre and post race, I'll eat a lot more carbs and after races, I'll eat whatever the heck I want. Uh, because I'm like, I just burned so many calories. I am so hungry. I'm, I'm going to eat anything. And so typically after races, I eat just, you know, the largest pizza I can find within a, you know, a mile radius. Um, but, you know, nutrition-wise, nothing super crazy. Um, and then, you know, from a training perspective, uh, what I was doing for some of these races was 
I basically trained up to the point where I felt really comfortable running. I, I did four of these races within seven weeks. And so what I did was I trained up to the point where I was like pretty comfortable running um, a 50K to like like a 50 to like a 60 K. Um, and then I just started doing these races. And what happened with the races was each of the races were far enough away from the other ones where I basically used each race as like a training race for the next one. So a lot of times you'll do a longer, you know, a long run a couple of weeks before, um, your actual race, just to make sure your distance is there. And so, you know, I did a, it was something like I did a, like a, like a 68K and then a 100K and then a 50K and then a 66K. And I did like a bunch of different variants of distances that sort of made sure I was ready for, you know, when, once you're in a certain shape, um, you know, what, once you can go, you know, X amount of miles, um, you can kind of keep going as far as you need to, as long as you're not trying to, as long as you're not trying to overdo it or trying to, um, just go too fast and burn out real quick. And so once I was at like that, you know, that 60 kilometer mark, I was like, okay, well, you know, the longest distance I have is 100K. And I feel pretty good about getting anything in between there. And so, you know, a lot of my training kind of looked like doing a normal marathon schedule type training. And then, you know, just getting to the point where like you're used to running past what that marathon distance is and getting used to that, like the suck that happens when you're like, oh, I'm a marathon in and I'm, you know, they still have like 15 or, you know, 20 K left to go. And then, you know, once you're there, then it's really just a mental game of like, you have the fitness level at some point, everybody's going to hurt. So it's less about, you know, so it's about, you know, can you do the distance? And it's more about like just the mental game of I'm going to keep going as long as like, I don't have any like crazy injuries going. And I think the injury stuff and the injury prevention, um, and kind of, you know, compensate, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the the strength the strength training that you do in order to um i'd actually trained you know this time around so i I did the first race i ever did you know a couple of years uh actually before i finished this entire project and what happened is in the middle of that first race i got hurt and um at mile 26 and then i had to run another like 15 15 miles or something like that on a kind of a busted ankle and i realized you know at the end of it that i had torn my peroneal tendon and so uh, I'd actually been, you know, when I, when I came back and went to finish this project, I was running less than I had been running previously, but I was doing a lot more strength training and I was doing a lot more, uh, mobility exercises. And so, uh, just the fact that I was, um, focused on those types of things, um, you know, I, I think where most people get tripped up is they push themselves too hard, too fast, and then they get hurt and the injuries, actually derail you and you know there's only you know so far you can run with a busted ankle or you know a broken foot or stress fracture or anything like that and so the the thing that i was really focused on was like okay i'm gonna get to a certain fitness level but then i'm also just gonna make sure i really mitigate my downside and make sure that nothing catastrophic happens that makes it so i can't run and that's i think key to why i was able to run so many races in such a short time without actually having any sort of big, big injuries flare up well, so I want to take a, I'm going to take a big uh, curveball switch here and go away from the running for a second. Um, and, and I want to talk about business for a little bit, because at some point, I mean, you had your impossible list and, and you said, Hey, I want to do a triathlon. And you started running some of these. What point did you kind of decide like, Hey, I can actually, you know, 
create some businesses out of this that are around this impossible um, kind of mentality. When did that happen? And then how did you start those particular businesses? Yeah, so um, the way a lot of that stuff happened was um, I just realized, like, you know, there's some things that, you know, at first it started out and it was all about me. It was like, hey, I need to do something for myself and I want to do something interesting. Um, as I started doing that, I realized, you know, it's it's interesting. It's good for you to do interesting things for your own life, but it's hard to make other people care about that sometimes unless there's something that you can provide for them. And so I started looking at ways that I could take the things that I had done and learned and tried and help other people do them as well. And so that was kind of one of the goals that I started uh, doubling and tripling down on and not just talking about, okay, I ran this race, but here's the things that I pulled out of this race. Or, you know, I think the first couple of times I did a triathlon, he was like, here's the things that <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily suspect if you're thinking about doing a triathlon for the first time. And I, I, I wrote it from a place where I was like, I wish I would have known these. And then I just started doing that with a bunch of different things. I did, you know, I had a bunch of things on my impossible list. And one of them was, um, you know, get a six pack and do a photo shoot. And I always thought that was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to do something like you see in the magazines. But like, oh, you know, like again, it was this concept like, oh, that, I can't do that. That's only for, you know, fitness competitors or whatever. And then I was like, you know, what if I did it? And so I did it in like 12 weeks. I did a program and then I broke down how I did it. And then people were like super interested and I made a program out of it. And people ended up buying it. And even if they didn't want to look like, uh, you know, it was called impossible abs and, and you know, that, the, the angle on it was, you know, get six pack abs, but we've had people, you know, from, um, you know, college students to, to retirees that have used it to lose 150 pounds and reverse their diabetes. And so, um, that, that was something that came up. Um, I, I spoke a couple of times about the paleo diet and I got a huge response to that. And so, ended up actually uh, starting a small website on it and then had that spin out into its own thing. Um, and that kind of just was like, you know, a lot of it is literally just writing about stuff that I'm doing and experimenting with and noticing what people are responding to and then doing more of that and finding ways to um, create value and, and solve people's problems that they're having. And if you can do that, then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of times people think like, oh, I have to come up with this new idea um, that does something that nobody nobody has ever seen before. But you know, a lot of the businesses that I've started are more like, hey, what are what are problems that people are having, and how can I how can I answer them um, better than what's already out there? And so, you know, that's how we did. Um, you know, that's what happened with the uh, the paleo business. Um, I have a mobility app called Movable App that started after I got hurt in this uh, Patagonia race that I was telling you about. And uh, the problem that I had was, was when you go to rehab, all, all your physical therapists tell you to do all these mobility exercises afterwards. But it's super easy to do it when you're in front of a mobility trainer. Um, it's really hard to do it on your own. And so we basically built a mobile mobility app coach that helps you do it um, Helps help helps you basically walk you through the mobility exercises you need to do for different um, specific things. And so um, a lot of the a lot of the businesses I've started are just like, hey, here's a problem that I've I've run into, talking about it, seeing if other people run into it, and then you know trying to answer those questions as helpful as possible. And so um, I, I would say the, those are kind of the that's sort of my business philosophy when I'm starting some of these smaller you know bootstrapped companies. 
And and were did you have any mentors that kind of you would go through or go to for uh, guidance or any books or different resources? I, I'm curious how you, you know, starting a business is one thing to say, I'm gonna go start a business. You can certainly probably Google some things, but I'm just curious if there are any particular things you could share on some practical advice that might be helpful for others kind of in a similar, um, similar boat that are trying to do the same. Yeah. So, um, I, I would say like it's a little cliche, but the four hour work week was something I read. Um, just kind of like thinking about like how you can try stuff without, um, fully committing to it. Um, and just testing out ideas and, and seeing if they turn into things. Um, Chris Gillibo is, uh, one of my friends and he's written on like six or seven books, but he's got a book called side hustle basically on how people can start side hustles, um, from their day jobs and just try out things and, you know, scratch creative itches and then see if it works or not. Um, I would say those are kind of like the two, you know, I, I don't necessarily have any, um, specific books. A lot of the stuff that I've done is literally just trying stuff and failing miserably and then learning. You know, I probably could have learned lessons I've learned faster, but I think they, they leave a bigger mark if you learn them sometimes. And so, you know, one of the things I did, you know, when I was trying to get out of the hole of, uh, you know, living in my parents' basement, I, I took a below, uh, a below what I could have made. Well, I wasn't getting a job, so <laughs> I, I was in I was in a little bit of a trouble, but um, basically took a low, very low paying um, opportunity job with a marketing firm in Indianapolis. So I ended up moving from Chicago to Indianapolis for about two years, um, and in six months I ended up going from you know basically making like fifteen hundred bucks a month, and I did that for the opportunity to work directly with the, the owner of the company. And what I was able to do is basically turn it into a modern day apprenticeship where I made, I made, you know, just enough money to cover my bills, but I also learned a ton of skills while working on a real projects that had real value. And by like six months in, I had turned that like apprenticeship into a point where I knew enough about the business. I knew enough about the company and the company was small enough that I could have an impact where I knew the, I knew where the bodies were buried and, you know, you know, if I would have just come in, you know, the first six months and asked for a specific job, they probably wouldn't have had a job for me. But after the six months, I was so valuable to the company, you know, whether or not um, they wanted to pay me, they couldn't afford for me to leave. And so uh, that's kind of how I got my, that's kind of where I built the skills from like a marketing perspective um, and from a like online, um, like an online savvy perspective uh, and just, got to work with real companies making real money and figuring out marketing programs that would work for them. But like also, um, you know, this is something I've talked to people a lot about. It's like you sacrifice a little bit of money up front. You know, I probably could have made more initially, but I wouldn't have necessarily had the type of job that would have let me build skills as quickly. And so um, that was probably, you know, if we're going to go, you know, most defining um, business, like, if we're talking about the the way I learned the most amount of business lessons quickly, I would say that was probably it because I was able to work so closely, um, you know, with the CEO of the company and, and had such um, was able to make pretty high leverage um, business decisions. And I wouldn't have gotten that normally if I um, if I would have just tried to do it on my own. 
Yeah, and I think that's also a testament to patience. You know, I mean, you took the yeah the less money, but it was also you were willing to go in there and spend some time to learn and and to kind of help shape the business. You weren't going in there with kind of a big ego, thinking, oh, I'm gonna you know day one you know be kind of the man here. So I, I, that patience, I think, is a huge thing. A lot of folks are looking for the short term game. You were looking at long term of how could I you know transition this down the road. So. Uh, that's a pretty neat story there. I'm curious that you did mention something before you were telling that story about failures. What what has been the biggest failure that you're comfortable sharing kind of throughout this entire journey? So, I mean, the the best way to say it, like the way the way I phrase this is like the only reason I can be an entrepreneur is because I have a very um, I have very selective amnesia when it comes to my failures. <laughs> so I try to try to forget them because otherwise there's way too many. Um, I think when I first quit my job, I tried to release a like a, a guide of some sort on. Uh, um, I've been doing triathlons for several years, and so I, I released a guide on like doing doing your first triathlon or something like that. And it was like right after I quit my job, and I was like, "This is going to be the thing that helps me like make enough money to keep doing blah 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 blah." And uh, it it bombed pretty badly. Uh, we sold a few copies, but like it was not. You know, it was not, not you know, it, it wasn't enough to live for a month less, you know, much less like build a business off of it. And so like that was like the first product I ever tried. Um, there's been a lot of different things that I've tested out. I, I built a I built a adrenaline junkie like website, which is all about like collecting the coolest videos, you know, from around the Internet. And we actually got a lot of traffic, but we never figured out how to make any money off of it. <laughs> so like, the, you know, there's there's that one. Um, there's been a lot of like internal stuff. There's been a lot of like, uh, like things that, you know, I had working and then like screwed it up or like could have done better or optimized more. But, um, I think one of the things that I've tried to do, you know, is, is not let the failures just <laughs> envelop everything because there's always new opportunities coming and there's always new things happening. And so, um, I've got that, that that phrase I used earlier, like the short-term amnesia of, uh, hey, just, uh, you know, like that's a good lesson. Remember the lesson. Try to forget, like, how, how bad that felt and just keep trying new stuff because um, it is one of those things where, you know, I'll talk about a lot of different things and sometimes I'll try to build a project on it or try to build a, you know, a smaller business on it and then it doesn't go well, but there's a couple other things that you threw out there that maybe people are gravitating towards that you didn't necessarily think would be the thing uh, when you started. And so, you know, just kind of keeping your head on a swivel and keeping an eye out for opportunities um, has kind of been one of the things that uh, I've been trying to do. And do you have, um, you know, again, with your training for a lot of these different uh, ultra marathons and, you know, you're doing all these different businesses, you're traveling, um, a lot. Is there certain daily routines that you stick with or that are vital to you to make sure you do each and every day um, to keep that consistency in your life or to accomplish certain things or not so much? Yeah. So I think, um, I think the couple things that I come back to, um, I don't have a super regimented day. Um, but if I, in a day, if I, if I work out, if I, do like w one of my top activities and I write something, I t tend to find those are like pretty good days. Um, the, the things that, you know, the th things that I try to incorporate every day, I don't always do it, but um, that I notice like make my days better and make me a better person are doing some sort of tough physical activity, whether that's running really hard with doing a really tough workout, something along those lines that makes you, you know, test yourself on a daily basis. And the other thing is cold showers. 
And uh, I think I talked about this a little bit at Dude, but um, it's basically a daily test of, um, you know, everybody talks about wanting to get outside their comfort zone or do something uncomfortable, but very few people actually do it. And cold showers have been kind of a, a routine for me to every day try to do something that's uncomfortable that I probably don't want to do and something that is, you know, it'd probably be a lot more comfortable and a lot easier to just do something, you know, take the warm shower. And so, um, but I found that I'm, I'm more productive. I'm more focused. It actually makes me more awake when I take a cold shower. Um, and so those two things I noticed, uh, have big impacts both on the rest of my day, but also kind of like physiologically how I approach the day when I, when I do those things in the morning, um, I am more aggressive with the day. I am more decisive about decisions, and I have a better outlook. And if I don't do those, then I notice I start to shrink a little bit, which might sound a little dramatic. But, um, yeah, I would say those two, those two things are probably um, the key cornerstones. Then everything else is kind of like, you know, smaller optimizations. And by the way, after you did say that, I, I did do the, uh, the, the five-minute shower, a cold shower that next morning. It was pretty yep. brutal, but I do yeah. I do understand what you were saying because it did kind of get you this like wow I not accomplished stuff like I'm not the big like oh if you make your bed you accomplish a task now you can accomplish the world I I like that thought of that's a little more challenging because no one likes to take a cold shower so um, yeah it was kind of interesting so I would definitely recommend everyone listen to try that out at least uh, at least maybe tomorrow morning and uh, see what you think. Um, so for you, I mean, we talked about this a little earlier about kind of learning about business and what did you, but just in general, where do you get kind of knowledge from or where do you learn about new things? I know you have your own podcast um, as well, and people should definitely check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. But is there other ways that you get information or knowledge, um, whether it's just reading books or uh, listening to, to uh, different informational things? Yeah, so I mean... I have a I have a few people I follow on Twitter that I I, I, I use Twitter as sort of like a firehose, um, and then pull things off that. Uh, depends on what specific types you're talking about. Hacker News is something that I try to keep current on, um, which is a it's a forum by a startup company called uh, Y Combinator. And um, then the other thing is <laughs> I have a bunch of friends in a couple different communities that are really smart and they read a lot of books and then I kind of just take their book recommendations <laughs> and then read them. Uh, there's a guy, I, uh, his name is Taylor Pearson, and he's like he reads probably more than anyone else I know and he's really good at like taking complex ideas or books and breaking them down into like <laughs> still complex but less complex mental models. And uh, Taylor's always got either like a good – review on something or he'll be like, Oh, I just read this book and it was really changing, you know, kind of the perspective on, on how I thought about something. And so I don't know. I, I think I, I spend more time thinking about ways of thinking more than like specific pieces of knowledge. I mean, if there's a specific piece of knowledge, I can usually find it via Google um, or a search or, you know, find, find whoever the best resources and then like hunt that down. Um, but I think the things that I'm, at, at this point for me are the most interesting are like understanding like correct ways of thinking or, you know, flaws in most people's concepts and like heuristics that people are using and then trying to figure out, you know, how to accurately merge, you know, w what you see out in the world and that with like what's actually happening and not, not attributing some, you know, uh, unknown cognitive bias to it. So, 
I don't know if that's too complex, but like I, I, I like the, you know, that's kind of the influence of Taylor. I think that he's had where it's like, he'll, he'll have a lot of books that are more about like thinking about thinking or heuristics that you can use to kind of navigate complex subjects, um, uh, uh, easier. And then, you know, if you have a specific domain of knowledge that you need to find out more information on, there's usually a couple people and you can just like, you can, you can find them pretty quickly and then you just do a deep dive into that. So, um, I, I would say those are kind of the two methodologies that I use to, to find more. No, that's no, that's great insight there. So what are you, uh, I'm just curious the next, like, you know, short term for you, six to eight months, what are you most excited about? What do you have coming up on your plate? Yeah. So I've got a lot of things. So, uh, one of the, one of the things that I've been trying to do, um, I have this paleo business, it's a meal planning service and information business. And, um, I'm working on transitioning out of that from a basically operating manager to uh, the owner of the company. And those are obviously in, in larger corporations, you know, those are um, pretty distinct roles. Um, I found with bootstrapping companies, that's one of the harder transitions to make. And so I'm working on doing that. Um, with Impossible, I'm working on growing the podcast. I'm really excited about the podcast. Um, I'm looking for a couple new races to do. Um, so if any listeners have ideas on interesting, cool races to do, um, I'm excited about that. And then um, we're growing. One of the things I, I'm really excited about is uh, we're both growing the online I was in a sort of a holding pattern uh, for a while with some uh, some technical and some legal stuff that we were doing with Impossible. And uh, now that that all is kind of taken care of, um, uh, we're kind of back to creating. And I've got some more online content specifically around uh, fitness and mindset that's coming out. But then we're also moving into the physical world and doing some more physical products. So uh, both with apparel and then some um, you know other products that I'm to help people push their limits and do something impossible um, in any area of their life, but specifically that mindset and fitness space. And so um, creating tools and resources and products that help people do that. So um, I, I, I think that's going to help grow uh, not only the brand, but also um, help us impact more people on a daily basis instead of just like for a long time, it's been a lot of inspiration and some, um, some, you know, really solid guides on how to do specific impossible things, um, really doubling down and tripling down on um, creating tools and resources that remove people's excuses for not doing the things that they say they want to do. So um, that's all coming up. Uh, it's it's a, definitely a transition for me because for a long time it's been, um, it's been a, a smaller business where I've had a, a, a role in a lot of things that are happening. And so as I'm growing the team and, and building things out, like that's a different uh, – it's definitely a different approach than I've used in the past. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's exciting and it's, and it's new to me. So it's, it's good. And where, if, if anyone wants to connect with you online or, or find you online, how can they do that? Where's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is impossiblehq.com. That's kind of at the center of everything. If you guys want to see the, uh, the nonprofit and the philanthropic stuff, it's at impossible.org. And then uh, I'm at, at Joel Runyon on Twitter, Instagram, and then the company is at, at Impossible HQ on both of those as well. So um, those are kind of the best places to hang out and uh, see what's going on. Joel, thanks so much for uh, joining me. It was a pleasure to kind of hear some of those stories and uh, get some of your insight. And I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, share some of those with the audience. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I had a good time. 
Well, thanks again for everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And as always, um, if you want to find me online, uh, check out my website, uh, brianondraco.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O.com. Also on Instagram and Twitter, at brianondraco. Find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Hope to connect with you guys. Um, Any questions you have, feedback, please let me know. If you do get a chance and have been enjoying the uh, episodes, um, certainly would love if you left a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you listen on. And hope to get a chance to connect with you guys further down the road. Have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Let's get started.